Thank you for joining us. Today on Drawing Near, we begin a widely discussed portion of the book of Revelation. In chapter 17, we read of John's vision of Babylon the Great and the Beast. This passage has challenged scholars and readers alike for centuries. Although there are challenges in interpreting these verses, we can have confidence that what God is communicating to us can be understood. So please open your Bible and turn to the Revelation of Jesus Christ, chapter 17, and join us for An Attractive Abomination. As we get ready to study God's Word, let's pray together. And our Heavenly Father and Lord, we come before you today humbly, gratefully, acknowledging your Lordship over our lives and over all of creation. You are King of kings and Lord of lords. You sit on the throne in the highest of heavens, and you rule and reign supreme. And yet, you are our Father, our Savior. We thank you for your grace and mercy through Jesus Christ that reaches out to us in love, makes known to us the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, and brings about and cultivates faith in our hearts. We thank you for working in us to bring about our sanctification, our maturity in Jesus Christ. And we ask, Father, that you would help us further to know and understand your truths in such a way that we can apply them to our lives and our circumstances and continue to grow in our likeness to Jesus Christ. Now guide us in our study today. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's begin our study today by looking at the first part of verse 1 of Revelation chapter 17. We read, Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talked with me. We haven't really talked about this at all, but one of the most amazing aspects of the book of Revelation is the interaction that John has with the angels of heaven. John is witnessing amazing things, and I don't think it should go unsaid. When we get to heaven, we are going to be elbow to elbow, shoulder to shoulder with supernatural beings, with angels, with servants of God. This is going to be one of the most extraordinary things about being in heaven. John is writing and not elaborating in any kind of picturesque way. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talked with me. What an amazing thing. John declaring that one of the angels, one of those dressed in a royal, powerful way, who had been entrusted with the bowls of God's wrath, one of those angels came up and talked with him. In the second part of verse 1, the angel says to John, Come. I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters. If we are to understand what God is communicating with us in chapters 17 and 18 about this harlot, we must understand that what John is being shown is the judgment of the great harlot. So many times we focus on all the peripheral things concerning an image or the identity of a person, or what this means, or what that means. 
The angel tells John explicitly, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters. It is God's judgment of this great harlot that John is to witness and to understand. So whoever or whatever she is, she will be judged by God. In the angel's conversation with John, he tells him some things about this harlot. First of all, she is the great harlot. She sits on many waters. In verse 2, she is the one with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. Her sinful influence reaches kings and all the inhabitants of the earth, which is another way of saying all the lost people, all the sinners of the earth. The kings committed fornication with her. They indulged themselves with her. They embraced what she had to offer. And the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. The idea of being made drunk is the idea of drinking in something fully that corrupts or intoxicates. There is a deceptive quality to this. Those who drink and become drunk are chasing something that they can't really attain. And what ends up happening is they are deceived. They find a lie at the end of the bottle. And so the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. They drank it in, they were deceived, but they embraced it fully. So in verse 3, we read, So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. Having told John to come and he will show him the judgment of the great harlot, John says he was carried away by the angel in the spirit into the wilderness. So being in the spirit, John sees this vision, this revelation. And the place that he witnesses this is in the wilderness. The wilderness is a place far from God. It's a place of wandering, of aimlessness. And that's where this woman is. She's not with God. She's in the wilderness, wandering away from God. And it is an amazing thing that those who commit fornication with her, the kings and the inhabitants of the earth, she's in the wilderness. Only those who are lost and aimless in their spiritual lives are going to find her. In the second part of verse 3, John writes, And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And so this woman is in the wilderness, and she's sitting on a scarlet beast. The beast is the Antichrist. That's what the beast represents here. And it's a scarlet beast. The idea of scarlet represents blood, represents a sin. That's what it often represents in Scripture, blood and sin. And this beast was full of names of blasphemy. The Antichrist continuously spews blasphemies against God. The things he says, the ideals that he holds forth, are blasphemous to God. And it's a word that we need to become more familiar with today. There are things that we can do. There are things that we can say that are blasphemous. And that is horrendous sin, to blaspheme God. This scarlet beast, full of names of blasphemy, has seven heads 
and ten horns. We've seen that description before. This is the Antichrist. And so the woman is sitting on the Antichrist. He holds her up. She is somehow, at least for a period of time, a cohort of the Antichrist. In verse 4, we're told, the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet. She was dressed in a royal fashion. The picture that we're getting from verse 4 is the attractive quality of her, her beauty, why mankind would desire her. She was arrayed in purple and scarlet, and then notice, and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. She is adorned richly. These are costly things. These are beautiful things. These are attractive things. And she offers this up to all who will come. People desire her. They are attracted to her. And yet we are told in the last part of verse 4, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. In the midst of all this attraction, this allure, in her hand, what she really gives, what she really offers, is this golden cup, but it is full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. She may look attractive to the people of the world, but in truth, she is abominable. She is filthy. Please don't miss the contrast. She's arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. She has in her hand a golden cup, but she is abominable. She is filthy. She is not what she appears to be. In verse 5, we're told, And on her forehead a name was written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. The key thing we need to see here at this point in our study is that her identity is a mystery. This probably won't be completely understood until all of these things unfold. There is a deep mystery associated with this woman's identity. Whoever she is, whatever she is, she is a mystery. She is Babylon the Great, associated with Babylon. She is the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. She is the mother of all of those things that are harlotry and abominable. Then in verse 6 we read, I saw the woman drunk. Can you see this lavishly attired, richly attired woman sitting on this red beast, this violent, vicious red beast, and she's drunk? But note what she's drunk with. She's drunk, she's intoxicated with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. She had drank in, enjoyed, lavished upon herself, imbibed the blood of the saints and the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. She not only engages in abominable behavior and filthiness and draws all of the earth into her deceptive lie, but she herself is drunk with the violent deaths of God's people, the saints, and the martyrs of Jesus. And John says at the end of verse 6, And when I saw her, I marveled 
with great amazement. This picture that he was shown amazed him. We do not see John responding in this sort of way to very much in the book of Revelation at all. But the mystery of Babylon the Great, he marvels at it, and he does so with great amazement. In a very practical way, we must take away from this study the fact that sin in all of its forms are an abomination to God, and it is blasphemous to say that what God has declared to be wrong is okay or permissible. To go against God's decree, God's moral commands, is blasphemy, and sin, especially sexual sin, is an abomination and filthy before the Lord. And God's people need to re-embrace the idea that any kind of sin and any kind of sexual activity outside of marriage is filthy and abominable. We need to come back to this place because the world has departed from any kind of biblical, godly morality. This influence has always been in the world. We're going to see that. But in our day, it is even more intensive than what we have known in former years. We need to come back to a righteous understanding of what God calls his people to be. Father, help us to embrace the purity and the truth of your word, to see sin as you see it, to detest it in our lives primarily, and then to warn others of the danger of sin, that it is abominable, it is filthy before you, and you are going to judge it. We are not permitted as human beings to rewrite your moral law. You are God. You have declared what is right and what is sin, and we need to embrace those truths. Help us not fall for the lie, a lie that says everything is permissible, a lie that says we can determine what is right and wrong for ourselves. We cannot. You are the righteous, holy God sitting on your throne, and you are going to judge sin. Help us to see this. Save us from sin. Every small sin, save us from all of it. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for studying with us today. You can subscribe to these podcasts on Apple iTunes, Google Play, or the Facebook page Drawing Near. Drawing Near is a ministry of FBC Tip City, provided with the hope that we will draw near to God and He will draw near to us.